The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you as you listen in to this podcast coming to you from Sirius Kemback and Springfield Church in Fife, Scotland. It's our prayer that there may be a special blessing for you as you join with us. We want you to know that wherever you are and whatever your situation, you are not alone. The hymns in our worship today are a wee bit different. They're sung by Maddie Pryor and the Carnival Band and arranged very much in the style of early English 19th century church music. We hope you enjoy them. Let's have a moment's quiet at the beginning of our worship today. And that's here, Oh for a Thousand Tongues to Sing. It's 352 if you're following in the hymn book.
Let's listen now to the words of Psalm 19, a psalm celebrating the wonder and the beauty of God's creation. The heavens are telling the glory of God, and the firmament proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night declares knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. Yet their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In the heavens he has sent a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom from his wedding canopy, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them. And nothing is hid from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is clear, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, in keeping them there is great reward. But who can detect their errors? Clear me from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from the insolent. Do not let them have dominion over me. Then shall I be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Let us pray. Living Lord, as the psalmist reminds us, you have been ever speaking, bringing new worlds into being by the word of your mouth. Your voice still goes out into all the world. And in these strange and unsettling times, you are not silent. You're calling to us, addressing us, summoning us on planet Earth to a new road and to a different path. As we here talk of a new normal, you show us the radically new normal of your kingdom, breaking into a broken and messed up world. In Christ, we see a new world already emerging within this one. In Christ, we see the old creation shimmering with a new light. Forgive us, Lord, that so often we are blind to the new thing you're doing. Forgive us, Lord, that so often we are deaf to your voice that is ever speaking to us. Forgive us, Lord, that we cannot see the real beauty of your glory because we are focused on the glittering bubbles of the kingdom of Mammon. Forgive us, Lord, that so often we cannot hear you because we drown out the still, small voice with the clatter and the din of our own selfish preoccupations. Forgive us. Open our blind eyes and stop our deaf ears. In the name of Christ, in whom a new world is already with us, and in his name we pray, as we say as he taught us, Our Father, who art in heaven, 
hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our gospel story is that very strange story of the encounter between Jesus and the man who had been chained up in the graveyard. And it's from Matthew 5, verses 1 to 20. Jesus and the disciples came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately a man out of the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. He lived there among the tombs, and no one could restrain him any more, even with a chain. For he had often been restrained with shackles and chains. But the chains he wrenched apart, and the shackles he broke in pieces, and no one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always howling and bruising himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and bowed down before him, and he shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For Jesus had said to the man, Come out of him, you unclean spirit. And then Jesus asked him, What is your name? The man replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. He begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now there on the hillside a great herd of swine was feeding, and the unclean spirits begged him, Send us into the swine, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits entered into the swine. And the whole herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and were drowned in the sea. The swineherds ran off and told it in the city and in the country. The people came to see what it was that had happened. They came to Jesus and they saw the demoniac sitting there, but clothed and in his right mind. The very man who had had the legion, they were afraid. Those who had seen what had happened to the demoniac and to the swine reported it. Then they begged Jesus to leave their neighbourhood. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed by demons begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus refused and said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and what mercy he has shown you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everything, everyone was amazed. Well, we pause now for a short reflection. As a wee boy, I loved exciting stories. It might have been the voyages of Sinbad the sailor, or perhaps the great epic of Jason and the Golden Fleece, or it might have been the time travels of Doctor Who, the exciting missions of Thunderbirds, or perhaps the gung-ho ripping yarns of Biggles, the ace pilot invented by Captain W.E. Jones. Ripping yarns, exciting stories. They've been around for a long time. In fact, exciting stories have been around for as long as human beings have had the gift of language. 
Recently, I was rereading one of these great ripping yarns. It's the story of Beowulf, and it's one of our oldest written stories. It was written in Old English, which doesn't on the page look much at all like our English language. It was written in Old English by an unknown Anglo-Saxon poet at least a thousand years ago, and probably a bit more than that. If you don't know it, it's a real scary story, just as our gospel reading was a scary story. And it's one that would have been told around the fire in the dead of winter. The story is set in Scandinavia. The hero Beowulf belongs to the tribe called the Geats. Beowulf, the hero, hears that Hrothgar, king of the Danes, is in desperate need of help. Hrothgar's meat hall, a kind of Dark Ages pub, I suppose, is having a terrible time. A monster called Grendel is attacking the hall. And he's attacking late at night when people are asleep, murdering and dragging off the victims to his lair under a deep mere, a dark lake. The community has been ripped apart by this marauding monster, and the king is at his wit's end. The monster is just too strong for his warriors. But enter Beowulf, the hero, from across the seas. In a terrific battle, Beowulf slays Grendel, Grendel, the monster, is fatally wounded and crawls back to his lair. There is great celebration when the news spreads in the community that Grendel is dead. Only thing is, Grendel has a mommy. Grendel's mother is even scarier than Grendel, and she emerges from the depths of the lake in a fury, seeking vengeance for the death of her son. This time Beowulf has to go deep into the depths of the lake to confront Grendel's mother. There is a tremendous battle and eventually Beowulf is victorious and the community can now live in peace. Celebrated as a great hero now, Beowulf returns to his home in Geatland and he becomes the king of his own people, king of the Geats. When Beowulf is quite old and well past his prime, it all starts again in his own kingdom. This time it's a dragon. Beowulf takes it on and slays the dragon, but is fatally wounded and dies soon after. Even heroes, says the storyteller, eventually get old and weak and die. I first read the story in the powerful translation by Seamus Heaney, the Irish poet who died a few years ago. There is something very poignant as Heaney, from the background of the Irish Troubles, tells the story of a dark monster that rips apart a community. Heaney knew all about that monster. He had seen the devastation and the wreckage which the monster, the dark monster of sectarian hate, had wrought in his own native land of Ireland. Human beings have always told stories of monsters, stories that embody whatever it is that frightens them. The Bible is no exception. There are lots of monsters there. In the Psalms, we meet a sea monster called Leviathan or Rahab in different Psalms. But the Psalmist proclaims that God has defeated the chaos monster, that we don't need to be afraid. God is stronger than the monsters and the forces of chaos. In the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, a great dragon tries to destroy the infant Jesus but the dragon is eventually defeated. 
In that same book, the Roman Empire is seen as a great terrifying monster sucking the blood out of the poor by its lust for riches and luxury and decadence. In the New Testament, there is an unseen dark monster causing chaos and division wherever Jesus goes. Ultimately, that monster turns on Jesus in tremendous ferocity on Calvary. Yet the great message of the New Testament is that in Christ, God took on the chaos monster on the cross and defeated it. Chaos will not have the last word. The chaos monster has been fatally wounded and enraged, races round the world causing more and more chaos. But yes, is fatally wounded. The victory belongs to Christ. That's quite a message, isn't it? And it's there in the story of the demon-possessed man, Jesus going into the depths, taking on the force that is holding the poor, pathetic man captive among the tombs. The chaos and the confusion give way to healing and to shalom as the man is released from his horrible existence among the tombs. His horrible existence howling and self-harming and wandering all over the graveyard by night. He's released from that, set free. He becomes a kind of icon of God's salvation, of God's healing, of God's setting right the world. At the heart of the gospel of Jesus is release, liberation. The lion is the traditional symbol for Mark's gospel. Wherever Jesus goes in Mark's gospel, he seems to go as a great raging lion, taking on the forces of darkness and releasing people into life and back into community. Do you know what my prayer is for the Church of Scotland in these difficult days? It's a few words from the story of the raising of Lazarus. Unbind us, Lord, and let us go free. You remember in the story of Lazarus, Jesus says of his dear friend Lazarus in the tomb, Unbind him, let him go free. And of course that's exactly what Jesus does for the poor man in the graveyard. The self-harmer who's staggering around howling and hurting himself and terrifying everybody else. This poor man at the end of the story is fully clothed and in his right mind. I love that expression, in his right mind. He's been set right in his head, in his heart, in his body. It's a powerful icon of the liberating gospel of Jesus Christ. If the poor man in the graveyard is very much a symbol of our world and all its mess and brokenness and fear and terror. The man sitting clothed and in his right mind is an image of God's kingdom breaking in, bringing life, shalom, healing. Well, as human beings, we're bound in so many ways, are we not? Captives to so many forces. I wonder what binds you. Is it fear or is it bitterness or resentment or anger? My goodness, we all need to be released. That's the prayer. Unbind us, Lord, and let us go free. When the religious authorities accuse Jesus of being in league with the devil, he says, memorably, how can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom will not stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house will not stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand. His end has come. 
In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house without first tying him up. Then he can plunder the strong man's house. Powerful words. Jesus binds the destructive energies and he sets free those who have been bound by them. This story is indeed a powerful icon of the gospel, of the incoming kingdom of God that takes on and defeats the chaos monster. You know, we need to let Christ into our own scary depths, where he takes on our monsters and demons. Jesus goes into wrecked families, wrecked churches, wrecked communities and nations, wrecked lives and brings wholeness and life and healing. Jesus comes to set us free and to call us to be part of his great movement of liberation. Surely that is good news indeed. Amen. And we'll just have a little pause, a little bit silence now to reflect on what we've heard. And now, again, Maddie Pryor and the Carnival Band, a setting of Charles Wesley's hymn, And Can It Be? And I love the bit in this hymn, the bit in the verse, where it talks about my chains fell off. I got up and followed thee. The verse where it speaks about the dungeon flaming with light and the prisoner's shackles breaking loose and him going off free to follow Christ. What a wonderful picture we are given. And Can It Be, by Charles Wesley.
Indeed, powerful words to take away with us, were they not? My chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose, went forth and followed thee. We have now our prayers of intercession. Lord, there are so many monsters that appear to be stalking in our world. The slithering serpent of fear that lodged itself in so many hearts so many churches, so many communities, so many nations. There is the marauding monster of oppression that wants to keep the poor in their place and champions the rich and the powerful. There is the grotesque Goliath of greed, blinding its victims to everything and everyone outside the circle of their own prosperity. There is the deadly dragon of weary apathy that shrugs its shoulders and mutters, what's the point anyway? There is the grotesque gargoyle of cynicism that sniggers at the sacred, that tramples on the holy. So many monsters, Lord, let loose in the world. So many monsters let loose in our own lives, if we're honest. Think of the little monsters that haunt our own minds and keep us from being all that we might be. And yet, in the Gospel story, you show us the kingdom of God in Jesus. Breaking into the monster's domain, breaking the shackles and setting free those who have been bound. Oh Lord, come afresh into our darkest corners. Our minds, our families, our churches, our world. Come to those who are in a dark place at this time. Especially we would remember those affected by that terrible explosion in Lebanon. Lord, come to all who are bound, whether to, be, to fear, to addiction, to the oppression of others, or to a sense of their own powerlessness. Come, Lord, come to us, unbind us, and set us free and recruit us in your great work of unbinding the world. These are prayers we bind up in the strong name of Jesus. Our final hymn, Who Would True Valor See Bunyan's Great Hymn 535, if you are following in the hymn book. Just a little pause before we start.
And now, wherever you are, and especially if you're on your own, and especially if life is rather hard at the moment, especially for you, wherever you are, whatever your situation, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen.